0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: The life of any actor is one of vast swings up and down, wonderful euphoric highs, and disappointing frustrating lows. In part two of my conversation with Bree Ely, she talks about her latest project that has been such a mountaintop experience for her. And we get into her organization that promotes and supports black actresses, providing them with opportunities and a community, but also showcasing the vast diversity among these black actresses.
1: People are so focused on this word of monolith lately that there's that black people aren't a monolith, but also theater isn't theater experience especially isn't. So I'm I'm excited to help kind of keep that story out there.
0: Hello and welcome back to Why I'll Never Make It or Win Me, as I like to call it a weekly podcast featuring fellow creatives sharing the joys and challenges within the performing arts, all while exploring the notion of what it really means to make it in this business. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, an actor and singer for almost 30 years. The website is whyallnevermakeit.com. There you can sign up for the monthly newsletter and find out about members-only bonus episodes like The Final Five and audition stories that are available to listeners like you who support this podcast on a monthly basis. So join the WinMe community at whyillnevermakeit.com. There's that old saying that a jack-of-all-trades is a master of none. The idea that you can spread yourself so thin, have your hands in so many projects, that you really can't get a firm grasp on any of them. And it's often used to dissuade someone from general surface-level experience and to focus more on specific skills and talents. However, most people don't know that there's actually more to that saying. A jack-of-all-trades is a master of none, but oftentimes more than a master of one. So while it's true that having a diversity of experience may not lead you to perfect any one skill or ability, it can provide knowledge and understanding across a wider field of possibilities. This has certainly proved true in my own life. When when I began my career as a singer and actor, I pretty much exclusively did book musicals. And while I could certainly be happy doing that the rest of my whole career, the reality is... I won't be able to find enough work just doing that. And honestly, I'd probably grow bored just doing that one kind of performing. So I've ventured into improv, which has facilitated the live events and hosting jobs that I've had. I also went into commercials, which greatly helped me landing TV and film roles. And from doing this podcast, I'm not only branching out into coaching and consultations, but writing and producing as well. And it is this kind of diversity that has been a hallmark of Brie Ely's career as well. From her classical theater training in college and in England, to doing on camera work and creating content for big and small screens. So, in this episode, we pick up where we left off in part one as I ask Brie about her latest creative endeavor Star Wars. You had mentioned Star Wars, which is something that uh, has come along recently for you, it's and that's a—I know it's a—it's yeah. a voiceover job, which is yet another extension, another tentacle you have out there of your performing.
1: <laughs> <A> tent- <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I um, was a little ahead of the curve as far as setup during the pandemic because I had been auditioning from a home studio that I fashioned out of a closet with like soundproofing and it has a stand and, you know, it's all legit. But that had been set up at least eight or nine months before. I would get submissions from my agent, you run them off. And then if you are so fortunate to book the job, you would actually just go to the studio for that day. It was perfect. And once uh, everything started to shut down, then it became, well, everybody's going to be doing stuff from their closets or from their corners or whatever. And um, I just got the thing and I was like, oh, this sounds fun. Ooh, I get to say the force, you know, like right. I was like, Ooh, you know, I've watched star Wars and all of the original, what they call four five and six of the saga. And then the funny ones that came out like mid thousands that were <laughs> right. That happened, you know? Yeah. And and then, of course, like as the force awakened and they started having the fun like offshoots of Rogue One. I was like, Star Wars is killing it. Yeah. And um, that was a funny one, too. Sometimes you you fret over voiceover because you have to edit it and make your own choices. And it ends up being like a three-hour affair. And then sometimes you just run it off and it, turn it in. And then the call came. They want to have you as the voice. And I was like, What? Um, and it was originally going to be eight episodes, ended up being 12 and I got to record it in my closet in the hottest part of July
0: with no <laughs> air conditioning. Right. we got to turn all fans off. Yeah.
1: Uh, can we cut them fans? You know, like it was, it was hot. And then at one point there was, there was a question around like, oh, we we're hearing something in here. Can we try it with, and where my, my setup is, is back in a hallway where there's like a pocket door you can slide. And they're like, let's try it with the pocket door closed and like one door of the of the space open. Oh, or maybe we should try it where you have the other door in the hallway closed and then maybe just give us a sample of that. <laughs> so I, I think at one point I gave them like the same phrase and I, I put each one of like variation A, variation B. And it was like A through G of just like ways to do it. And rightfully so, they didn't want to take a chance of going into a studio. Everything was still so fresh. But they also, at one point, they were like, "Can we do a Zoom so we can see your space?" And I was like, "My space? You mean my closet? The the closet <laughs> that I just tried to make it sound as good as possible? I never imagined I'd actually need to do a full recording in this thing. Right. This was just a, like the, the right, in between, just,
0: just to do a little audition, you right? Know, whatever. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. But it worked." we got there on like variation K and then I just like zoomed <laughs> and then I, um, they would only give me a, a couple at a time and then they would send me the first pass of like what the animation would be so I could actually see it. And when they actually started coming out earlier this year, it was like, Oh my gosh, this is like for real. I I didn't think about the scale of what, And why not? Because obviously it's Star Wars. It's like this global since the 70s thing. Like it's been a part of people's whole lives, but it just didn't like, I still don't think it makes sense to me. And every time that another episode drops, there's like a whole new wave of like comments on it. And people are asking like, oh, I can't wait to see what they do with so-and-so. And And I bet that they're going to have, you know, character A or B or C. And to know that like, oh... Character sees. <laughs>
0: it's like watch wait, out. just you watch just wait. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It must be a thrill to be a part, you know, because there, because there's Marvel, there's Star Wars, there's Harry Potter, there's these franchises that to just be a any part of it is must be amazing.
1: And now I just need John Favreau to call me about that on camera version of when right? they do the High Republic, and I'll be set. Paint me green. I'm on board. Yeah. like, what do you yeah. need? <laughs> Put
0: whatever you need on me.
1: Whatever you need, I will need. be there. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm. I'm excited also because this is the first time that these characters are being introduced in the entire legacy of Star Wars to people. They obviously have a lot of fans, but it's also the first time that they're hearing it from the voice of a black woman. And there's something about this embrace of who can be in these stories that they've started really expanding. It used to be like, oh, it's just maybe a Wookiee. And then there's like the little, like um, little small, little bear things that they have. Don't kill me. I don't know what their name is, but um, (laughs) it was still pretty white. Right. And as Star Wars has tried to step into the past of their legacy, now you're seeing even more diversity and, I'm here for it. You know, I, I am so excited to see how other larger tent poles embrace bringing people in.
0: Yeah. And and I was wondering because of the, the, the creating, the writing, producing that you've done, did you, did you find that because you were creating your own, that, that, that it made it easy or did you still find that there was some, some pushback?
1: Well, I definitely made stuff because I felt like I wasn't getting an opportunity to do it in the roles that I was getting cast in. And I appreciated thanks to the theater and back in terms of like even going all the way back to Oxford, when I do Shakespeare, I can play the queen one day, I can be the magical fairy jester leading folks through a forest, or I could be the young ingenue like they there weren't such limitations on my type. I wasn't, I felt like they really embraced do the part, get into it. And then I come off of that high and I step into the world of like contemporary theater when I was apprenticing at Actors Theater of Louisville in in Louisville. (laughs) And there was a very clear mark about, okay, well, these are the kind of roles. We don't even necessarily need to hear you for this because it's gonna be probably that. And the the possibilities just like seemed to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. And when I got back to New York, um, thankfully, my connections and new play development meant that I could go do a workshop somewhere and at least get a chance in that small little frame of or a couple days to live and have that kind of complex character before I went and did the one line as a nurse or did the one line as the social worker or the secretary or whatever, like to know that you could at least keep working those muscles. And when it, so then, you know, fast forward, and it's me putting together my own story, me having to put it together with friends. I wanted to make sure that I was amplifying the world I wanted to see and -hmm. that the crew that I was choosing was as mixed and diverse as I believed it could be. You know, you become, when you're a producer, you're the mayor of a town. So make sure that you have some good citizens, not just hard workers, but people that are, you know, are coming in from different places with different points of view, different scales of experience. My partner and I at the time, were also doing a lot of work with Ghetto Film School, LA. And so their big push is to try to get kids who would maybe not have access to the Hollywood experience into rooms, into sets, into their own creation process far in advance. So mm. that they know that there's, that this career could actually happen for them. You know, you're living down the street in South central, but, and you have Hollywood, like maybe a couple blocks away, but it doesn't connect that it's a possibility for you. Yeah. And so when we would get our crew, we would always have one professional and then we'd have like someone from the school as their first AD, or we'd have one of them as the art design, like art assistant. Um And then when I, the stories that i made were centered on women, centered on women of color, centered around the humor that happens between women and like that it could be silliness and not just rom-coms, that it could be goofy one minute and then like maybe angry or that the last film that I did was about a woman coming to terms with her father's death. And it's like, when do I get to see that story? And see that friendship that happens when you have to be around someone who's died and how you support them. With someone who looks like me in that role.
0: During Black History Month here on the podcast, each guest from Jeffrey Owens to Aaron Cherry to Adrian Walker has spoken to the idea and importance of seeing someone who looks like themselves represented on stage and on screen. Well, Brie has been on a mission to support people who look just like her. And in September 2020, she created a talent database for Black actresses called Here and Ready.
1: Here and Ready is a community group of Black actresses from across the diaspora who are able to be in this private space to share resources, comment on things, share opportunities, and sometimes also commiserate about the experiences of being a black actress in all disciplines of entertainment from stunts to sketch comedy to theater. And I first started it because I was doing a play in LA and someone asked me to do a reading. I was like, Oh, I I actually can't. I'm just too, what about so-and-so that could, they couldn't do it. And he's like, do you have anybody else? And I'm like, "Mm, what about, and I, went to give him maybe one or two names and when they couldn't do it, I was like, I don't know if I, I mean, I've seen them in the lobby when I'm waiting on that audition, but I don't really know if I'm, Hmm. And I started it on, I think at one point it just, it was called private group for black actresses. Very, very, you know, secretive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But as the group began to grow and then it started to expand out, out of my LA, you know, circle to now being from Orlando up to Toronto from Phoenix over to Boston. Like it's, it's amazing to see what was obviously a hole that needed to be filled for people nice. to for them to be able to find a space and also to break down this idea that like, we're not rooting for each other. And as the social uprisings that were happening around George Floyd's situation and this, Shift was happening for people that they needed to actually take to the streets that they that the people that were on the streets weren't just black. Because when Trayvon Martin was killed, when Michael Brown was killed, when Sandra Bland was killed, people were definitely up in their feelings. But it didn't feel like they were they were seeing to their left and their right other people rallying around it. Mm. And. After that. And. And not only was it here but now i'm seeing people toppling statues in london like it was it was amazing in the against the backdrop of a pandemic to see this mobilization was i mean how could you not get inspired by that and then you have people responding from their brand voice to say we at so and so insert here <laughs> believe that and we truly feel insert 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 and I was like, you know what? If you're feeling like you truly think that our lives matter, entertainment, A, B, C, or D, then hire us. Yeah. Bring us in for different kind of roles. Let us be the judge and maybe be the messy friend and maybe be the sweet girl next door. Expand the, even the vision of how you see us. And don't say that you can't find us. Come on! It,
0: it seems like that that that's one of the biggest missions of your database is to be like, right. no, we're not hiding. We're not. No. We're not. We're not. <laughs> you can find Literally, us.
1: Literally, we are here. Yeah. And we're ready. We are trained. People are coming in with years of experience. And yes, there are some who are just starting their career, who are like maybe getting that first background or that local theater group. But there are also some of us who have been series regulars, who have been on Broadway, national tours. You know. Or even on Broadway, uh, award winners, um, recurring characters on shows, movies, like the work is here. And if you see from the resume, you also know that the training is there and the skills are there. There's even a section that's called like notable skills. And um, when I was consulting with the casting director on it, she was like, well, doesn't everybody do film, TV and theater? And I'm like, no, you may say that they do theater. But if you actually need to get them to live for an hour and a half without having to stop and have all their lines memorized and then do it again for seven other shows, you might not actually get that talent. So, if someone's going to put it on there, especially on this site, they have to represent themselves as honestly and completely as possible. Because I want you to know that this is a trusted resource, that it isn't just a whole bunch of kids getting together and like putting up, you know, pictures. This is actually a tool and a resource. That might change who you bring in the next time. Or if you're a a younger writer or a younger person in theater working, let's say, through the new play exchange and you want to hear your work out loud, maybe you can find a couple of people on our site. I even recently had a casting director come on. She knew about the site and was excited to like have her first project be shared. And she wanted to cast the lead of a short she was doing. And I was like, great the information there's a submit a casting form on the site as well and as we were talking she was like oh wait you've got actresses of all ages right i'm like yeah there's actually a thing that not what age are you (laughs) because black women are ageless goddesses but it was what ages do you play and um she was like i could find the mother here too i was like yes you could find the mother, the grandmother, the, whole the best friend, you know, <laughs> the younger version of her. How many times have you seen the younger version of a character on a movie and you're like, "That is not that kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The hair like, is different. Have- the nose looks at, like everything. Look, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 That's the mission. It was definitely like forged in fire. It has become almost like a lobbying. I feel like a lobbyist. I'm like a black mm-hmm. female lobbyist. I'm in communication with the Casting Society of America's Equity and Entertainment Committee right now. I am trying to make more of an establishment with New York theater, with regional theaters, with smaller you know, communities of like, what's happening in Minneapolis? Who are those casting directors? Who are they going to? Who are those agents going to when they need to get new talent? What's happening in New Mexico? Now that Netflix has set up a studio there, let's make sure we have people that we know there I think when, when something becomes like so passionate and exciting for you, you don't know that you're putting in time on it. You're just doing it and you're trying to, and and when you see things actually happening because the database is growing, the group is now like over 870 women. Like wow. I just had a, an actress text me today that her agency had sent out a resource list and our thing was on it. I don't know. I don't even know who put us into their circle but that the circle was even just growing outside of my own my own push on it.
0: As the group has grown, as you work with these different actresses, what surprised you?
1: I was surprised by my appreciation for agents and managers. <laughs> because um, actresses have personalities, you know? And yep. I am dealing with and, you know, advocating for a variety of personalities and a variety of um, per, yeah. Yeah. So that extra like stop gap that your agent provides for you before someone else has to like get into your energy. I see why it's there. That's 10%. That's yeah. worth 10%. <laughs> yeah. yep.
0: um,
1: I, I had a casting director just anonymously request the full directory, which you can do on the site and I sent it from our hello at here and ready email address. And he wrote to me like a couple of days later and was like, wait, you're doing this. I didn't see that. Your name, I didn't know. How are you getting this out to people? Have you shared it with so-and-so? And like, that was I don't know, like there's a vulnerability around saying like, stand up for myself and my other 800 friends and see us and, you know, stop ignoring us please and and then to actually have that be met with such a like ex- positive reception it you know i think anything that anytime i've had to do something on my as far as like producing it on myself like on my own there's always a chance that it could fail yeah there's al- of course yeah it's that standing in the wings right before the lights go down it's always there that rumble of butterflies if you want to call it but you have to just step into the light.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And it looks like that that's what you're doing with these actresses. You're you're bringing them into the light. You're 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 giving them another platform, another way to make themselves known where in spaces where maybe they weren't known before.
1: Right. We just launched a and action newsletter which will go out once a month to the people on our outreach list, which I spent some time over the summer developing with an assistant I brought on to, if I found out somebody had listed an overall deal somewhere, I was like, put them on the list. If they had the, the latest round of people that were going to be a part of new dramatists, I was like, put them on the list. If it was uh, the new writers on the verge at NBC, I'm like, put them on the list because no matter where you are in your process, no matter what genre you're working in, you may need an actress at some point. You may need, may need a voice at some point. Yeah. And um, I recently decided to shift it so that I could, in terms of that balance, you're talking about the balance between my own acting stuff and the pursuits and, and growth of this group, to set it up so that now every profile on the database is sponsored through a patreon system and patreon does like recurring charges for creators but it also means that it's a more streamlined way to communicate with the people on your team right. or in your community and i feel like i'm now receiving some support and investment and in the same way that i've been investing in this thing since last year yeah and that makes me feel really really good because it, it's it's you're like, am I just screaming into the wind? I'm like, okay, good, no. Okay, okay, all right. People are enjoying it. Cool, There's cool. definitely
0: some similarities in the podcasting world because, you know, I, I get behind this mic, you know, and it's great to talk with people like you, but then I release it and I'm like, whoa, who's listening? I don't know. And and then I start these bonus members-only episodes. Hey, support me. You know, is anyone going to want to spend their hard-earned $3, $5, whatever it right. is? You know, yeah. so it's... it. it it is always a vulnerable step to put yourself out there and hope that someone likes what you're doing, wants to support what you're doing. So that, because I I think this is why you why you do what you do so that it can keep going. You're not mm-hmm. just doing a one-off. You're not just doing a, okay, all right, well, that's done. Moving on to something else. No, this is going to be ongoing and something that you, you now have a passion for and want to build upon.
1: I think it's a, a bit of that Open exchange that you do get in the theater. I know the audience is with me because I can hear them. Right. I know when so and so like <gasps> or <laughs> like there's the it's immediate. You know. Yeah. And so much of our world now, when it comes to communication, is not immediate. So you just have to, keep which, which is crazy. Out.
0: We're so yeah. connected you know, through internet, online, social media, with all these, we're so connected in so many instantaneous ways. Right. And yet it can still take forever to know that you've reached someone.
1: What is that? What is that?
0: Right. And, you know, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but I think that in some ways that mirrors what people of color, what, what you're doing with Black actresses, there's so many ways to find them, yet they haven't been found. There are Mm -hmm. so many ways for them to reach out, so many ways for people to reach them, and yet it hasn't been happening. So you're like, how are we so connected, yet so distant?
1: Mm -hmm. Put that on the pillow.
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) In the summer of 2020, Pew Research found that when it comes to social media and Internet use, Blacks are more likely than whites to say that social media is very or somewhat important to them personally, When it comes to finding other people who share their views and getting involved with political and social issues that are important to them. So, by creating this website, this database, by raising the profile of black actresses, Bree hopes that what people see on television, on stage, and in movies represents not only the world around them, but a vast array of talent they may not have seen before. But hiring a diverse cast is not only good from a social standpoint. It also makes sense financially. Nielsen Company, the standard bearer when it comes to TV ratings, released a diverse intelligence series report on African Americans in 2019. They found that African Americans consume, on average, 10 more hours of television content each week than the total population. That basically means that 91% of all African Americans can be reached weekly via television whether watching in real time, through streaming, or video on demand. So studios and networks would be wise to create shows and hire casts that reflect the images and experiences of their viewers.
1: When I saw that recently the Casting Society of America decided to do a town hall for Black actors and then an open call for over three days for Black actors, I was like, that's the kind of, like, actionable openings that people have wanted to have for I don't know how long. Of course, the spots were gone in like 6 hours because there's that much demand. But at least it was like they're recognizing that because they haven't had as much access for this community, there's going to be a lot of demand from the community. Yeah. And even to commit to hosting that event, to creating that space with that open call, it's more than I've seen from a lot of places. And there's an accountability that's public that they're saying, I am going to show up in this way. Maybe that'll motivate somebody else. It motivated me to write to them and say, thank you. And then they turned around and requested a call with me because they happened to see what we were doing. And it, I think we have to just keep encouraging each other along the way as we Absolutely. start to see these things open up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was looking at, a survey, I think it was USC that did it, and they found this was 2019 top 100 grossing films mm. of 2019, and it showed that a third had no black women in it, about half had no Asian women, and 71 percent had no Latino women, and then there was like one Pacific Islander, or you know, and then it just goes down from there, and I, you know, the the, the stats are are it's interesting to look at that, but there's one. I think there's one way that I would change that survey. Instead of it being top grossing films, cuz that kind of puts the onus on the audience because mm. the audience decides the gross. It needs to be the top budgeted films. It needs mm. to go to the producers, wh- where is the money going? That's 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 wh- the top budgeted films. How are they representing? How are they being diverse? How are they opening, casting, writing directing right. how are they opening those fields up and so to me that's a better way to look because once once the writers are writing stories once the directors are directing stories once they're producing these stories and getting these diverse casts then what the people see they're going to want more of it so it's i i think it starts with the producers the money. and that side. Yeah, it starts it always with where goes the money to the, always, <laughs> always right? to right? the money. Yeah.
1: I, I, I would tell my mom during the time of the hashtag Oscar's so black. I was like, mom, you can't get mad at the cake if you don't change the ingredients. Yes. It's too late. Yeah. It's out the oven. The frosting is on.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: We're not going to recast it now. Um, it, it starts and you have to understand also the process of film. It takes years for these things to get going. It takes years for that person to have found their footing at some independent range of film festivals before they even get the chance to do these big budget projects. And then they're being head, hit with like all kinds of pressures as well. So let's even go back a, another step and look at what's happening on the independent film side. Cause most of those folks are now feeders into the larger studio films. Right. What's happening at our film schools? Right. And how that is how that entrance or that cost is financially prohibitive to people who might want to be able to go into it who then can't. Right. Or let's even look at what's happening in our high schools about how children are being exposed to the arts. Um with TikTok, though, I think you're about to have like seven Scorseses in a couple of years. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: we'll see. Yeah. But Well, I mean, it's it's the same in theater because Broadway right. is, is that apex. But mm-hmm. Broadway is a very commercialized, it's a certain type of theater. Once you go off-Broadway, regional, these works, you know, once you go down, that's when you can start to really move around and there's more freedom to... To make changes as you need to make it to, to try to, things, r- right, right, right. To try this, to to bring in new faces, new people, new stories and experiences. Because once you're at Broadway, it, it, there's that's a cement that is hard to chip away at. So right. you have to you have to go down further and start. Because once you open up, you know, people of color writing, then you open up people of color watching, and then mm. those those kids grow up. And they want their Broadway, they want their Broadway to look like them. And then Broadway, if they want to stay around, they have to then start making stuff that looks like the people that are coming to see it.
1: There was a, even before everything shut down, the, the graying of Broadway was happening. It's like, you started to see older and older audiences. The ticket prices were insane. I was like, who's going to come? How? I can lottery all day, but I, I, I don't know. (laughs) I still have to live my life the rest of the time. Um, And then I think when you get on like a revival churn, you're also missing the chance to break out of the stereotypes and, and tropes that had, that were a part of the musical theater canon for years. And I think that they're doing a paramount is doing a King and I coming up. And all I can think of, I'm like, what was the most offensive part of that? And how are they gonna move around it? You know, like all that stuff was pretty bad at the time. And that was before people even had words for like appropriation. And and now you want to go back to it instead of looking at all this incredible talent that's out here waiting for their first chance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't
1: know. How do you how do you develop new audience members if you're not even showing them new things? And I know there's always at least one revival every season. But and and, and, and has revivals an have their
0: place because I, I think yeah. you're right that yeah. that I think it's important to see where we came from. It's important to see how we can now see it in a different way.
1: Right. Oklahoma.
0: Right. So when so Oklahoma I mean, that, I, that I, I think revivals definitely have their place, but I think you're so right that in order to 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 grow what grow opportunities to grow the audiences, as well as those behind the stage and behind the scenes, then it it has to be the new fresh works that keep getting churned out and, and having fresh voices tell those new stories. Mm -hmm.
1: I think about like Hadestown. Um, You're, you're getting to see so many new creative ideas, not just from who's on the stage, but who's also working on those sets who's also behind the scenes as the stage manager, as the director, as the composer, like, isn't that exciting? And then I think about what's happening as far as like all these different streaming channels and for every show of, I don't know, let's say like a Bridgerton, which Mm -hmm. was a smash on Netflix. It has a very diverse cast. Um, they're going to have, I think, eight seasons in total. So there's eight huge opportunities to bring in someone to the world of this time that's never been there before. And I think they were surprised that people were like, oh, they want to see themselves? Yeah, of course they do. You you look at the films that have had the biggest box office. I think Fast and Furious is one of the biggest because they keep showing people themselves. As corny as they may be, and I do love them, they have always had a variety of folks on their screen. It brings out a wider demographic of people.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I was just watching. I, I have Disney Plus, and they just released the the Whitney Houston Brandy Cinderella, and that people was chopping
1: at the bits.
0: That was 1997, <laughs> mm. and it was so interesting to look. I mean, that it, it looks like it could have been made. Last week, because it it really encompasses that diversity. There's so many w- different people of sizes and shapes and colors. It, mm. it, and for 97, that was mm. that was bold. That was big. Right. And it was and it was and it was it, it was a huge success then. And it's, you know, now it's kind of getting this revival as people are remembering it, introducing their kids to it. And so it's stuff like that. That's that
1: we've we've had like a really weird um, ebb and flow when it comes to representation. Mm hmm. Like there was a huge time, there was like a UPN station. They had right. Jamie Foxx show and the color, Laisha, like there was Ritt. right. It was all like there, and then it just like whoop went away. And then even like Sanford and Son time and good times, like they were they were around, and then it just went away.
0: Yeah, it's it's very we're interesting still here. because no, one's I, not. You know, no I'm one's an leaving. '80s child, so I grew right. up. You know, so I remember Jefferson's Good Time. Like I, I was, I, w- I wouldn't say I was inundated, but there was plenty of white black everything in between television mm-hmm. to watch and and so and so for me there I I loved the Jeffersons watched every time you know Bill Cosby show so there were all these different voices different faces that yeah and then you're right something the 90s then it's like all their shows went away nothing replaced them right and 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 we had like a decade and a half of just kind of all right well we did that right moving on <laughs> yeah yeah
1: and and I'm hoping that as we see more things come to these different streamers, they'll keep taking chances. This yeah. is a business built on action and risk, whether it's personal, financial, um, yeah, intellectual risk. Are you gonna try and tell a new story a different way? Are you willing to put your neck on the line to support someone else's work to fund something? Not to just reach out to that person to say, can you be my reader? But can I reach out to a director of an actual theater? Can you produce this? Can I get on your actual schedule? And then, you know, energetically, am I willing to actually go see these shows when they come up? Am I willing to tune in? Um, if they can discount the tickets, I might go.
0: <laughs> <but> <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely a, a two way street and. Mm-hmm you know there has to be the support from the production but then there has to be the support from the audience end because, i like what you said
1: about there not being the onus on the gross right. that it should be looked at from if anything both sides can we compare how the money came through on this side and what that meant on the other side right i'm sure there's been plenty of movies too where if the marketing fell apart if the distribution wasn't
0: there right because ragtime, for example, the, the the recent revival that was, I think, that was like ten, five or ten years ago. Um, I mean, beautiful, wonderful show, diverse cast, all the way, and yet they marketed it crappily. and it didn't go anywhere. It lasted a few months, and then it was gone. Right, great show like that. So even even good material, if it's not packaged well, and you don't get the you don't reach the right audiences, then it doesn't matter. Mm. Doesn't matter. And now
1: because you do have people so connected, if they hear that one time that it's not right, it's it's trouble. Yeah. You when you hear about a show that's that's taken over as far as how bad it is, you're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to get into that. But I do know that whether you've watched WandaVision or not, you know what WandaVision is.
0: Exactly. This has been just an absolute joy to talk to you.
1: Thank you. I, I also appreciate these kind of things, too, because you get a chance to, like, go back through and be like, oh, yeah, you're doing stuff. You're still here. This is a business about still being here, right? Yeah.
0: Good. Well, you know, as much as I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you, the listener, are, <laughs> uh, are getting to know Bree, I'm glad that you're being reminded of your own self and the work that you're putting into it.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Patrick.
0: It was just three months ago that I got a message from the Here and Ready Instagram account, talking all about the wonderful things Bree had done and expressed the fact that she was interested in being a guest on the podcast. Little did I know the wonderfully in-depth and sincere conversation that would come of it. She is a perfect guest to close out this Black History Month series. And you don't want to miss her final five episode. She shares her upbringing. We talk about the women who have inspired her. And here's one life lesson she's working on.
1: Sometimes if you don't advocate for yourself, if you don't stand up in some way, then you might be taken advantage of. You might be given a bad deal. Sometimes to be able to say, like, I would rather not do a scene that way. I I applaud the work of, like, intimacy coordinators and... The way that our industry is trying to accommodate people who maybe are honestly not okay with things, but go along with them anyway. That has unfortunately led to so many people being burned and unable to keep going and then not being able to share their gifts. So it doesn't always make me feel good, but I am trying to work on making sure that if I have a problem, I say something.
0: So to get this members-only episode along with others, go to com and pick your level of support for this podcast and the right monthly plan for you. Well, thank you for listening to me and Bree today. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of all things writing and editing and producing. Music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions and Vortex. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Join us next time as we talk more about Why I'll Never Make It. Most enterprises use disparate systems to manage spend. The result, a reactive manual
1: approach. CFOs and controllers, you deserve better. You deserve a unified spend platform from Brex. Brex makes it easy to proactively control spend with cards, spend management, travel, and bill pay in one place. You can create budgets with controls built in, track and adjust in real time to keep teams accountable, and automate compliance to close the books faster. Ready to control your spend with one unified platform? Visit brex.com.